This is a Dragon Blazer production. Welcome to episode number two of Unsolved Comedies, where we watch Unsolved Mysteries and try to delve a little bit deeper. I'm Kizaya, and my co-host is... Steven. There he is. And we do have a cat listening in on this episode. She was not here last time. Yo, meow. I guess she wants to hear what's going on. I think she's more interested in that box. (laughs) All right. So, there it is. (laughs) The case we're talking about today is 13 Minutes, which is the second episode on the Unsolved Mysteries playlist. And it um, addresses a woman by the name of Patrice Endres. What did you think of the coverage of the case on the episode itself? Um, to be honest, compared to the last episode, this wasn't nearly as interesting as a case. No, I think it was pretty shitty. There was no evidence. It was honestly just a bunch of hearsay. Yeah, they didn't, uh... The other one had a very unique, um, death. The way it happens is completely a mystery. Mind you, this is also a mystery. Right, it is a mystery. This girl, we don't know what happened to her. Disappears within 13 minutes. But, you know, 13 minutes is... Calypso, could you not, please? Thank you, Mommy's recording. (laughs) Um, No, but this this case is a little bit unique that way as well, where 13 minutes is a quick time to just disappear and just be completely gone. Yeah. Yeah, it is, but, yeah, it was just, it wasn't as compelling of a case. It wasn't. I will agree with you on that. It really wasn't. Um, and like I said earlier, this case was mainly hearsay. They said it themselves, there's next to no evidence. They're basing everything on, oh, this guy doesn't have an alibi and he's done a crime similar, and oh, this guy admitted to it but then retracted his statement. Like, it's weird. Or the simple, it was the husband. I think it was the husband. Spoiler alert, I think it was the husband. I think the husband was a dick, but I don't know if I think he did it. Um, we'll talk about why I think he did it. Alright, well. Um, so let's talk about the case itself. The case itself, 
happens on April 15th, 2004. She drops her son off at school. Patrice does her son Pistol, which is a fucking awesome name, by the way. Who names their son Pistol? That's so fucking cool. Like, you have a son called Remington, but Pistol is just, like, punchy in the mouth. I just don't even... Like, take, we don't even, we just skip the subtlety and just like, let's, <laughs> let's name our son after a gun. Let's do it. It's a pistol. He's a pistol. Yeah, That's a nickname you, you your drunk, racist uncle gives you, not. <laughs> Specifically, your drunk, racist uncle. Your uh-huh. drunk, racist uncle. Hey, he's a pistol. He's a pistol. The pistol black is his name. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that is definitely a nickname that the racist drunk uncle gives. Hey, racist, uh, Pistol Black. Pistol Black over here. Yeah. The white uncle that is not happy about having a uh, black nephew. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, this story starts on April 15th, 2004. She drops her son off, her son Pistol, off at school. Um, and he's in high school. He's a 10th grader, I think, at this time. So, obviously, yeah, we so know what time. Was, it was just about before, right before he turned 16. Yeah, so he was a 10th grader. Um, he said that he was in biology, and he gets called down, or um, he doesn't get called down. The resource officer comes down and takes him back to his office and is like, Yo, bro, you heard from your mom. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you know, he says that his mom always answered his cell phone calls. And he called her that day, and she did not answer her cell phone, and he called her three times. So he assumes something's wrong, but he doesn't assume that something like bad has happened at this point. They take him to his mother's um, salon. She did hair. Um, in fact, Pistol says she had a passion to do hair, which I think is, you know, obviously pretty cool. Um, and... At that point, we see the um, timeline, right? The register's open. There is money missing. Her purse is on the counter. Her lunch is in the microwave. Um, and this information comes from Mitchell Posse, or Posey, not really sure. But he's a special agent that's in charge of this investigation. There's no blood. There's no drag lines. There's very little evidence. Um, and her husband, Rob is at work when Patrice goes missing. He made sure to tell us that. Um, Her vehicle was out of place. Her vehicle normally is parked next to, I guess, her hair salon. And at this time... Huh? Yeah, it's normally parked in the back. And at this time, it was like you could see it at the front of the building. But it wasn't in front of the building. It was like off to the side. But if you were driving up to the front of the building, you could see her car, which I guess was unusual. Well, they Um, suggested that it seemed like maybe she... Moved her car to, like, give someone a jump or something. Right, right. Um, they do say that they did a thorough search um, of the salon, and Patrice was gone. She was not there. Um, and Nancy, I believe Nancy is a friend. We have so many people. I mean, if she was there, this is a pretty short episode. <laughs> it is. Uh, Nancy is a friend of Patrice, and she says that Patrice would never leave Pistol. Um, but Pistol did mention something a little bit strange. Pistol said that his mother asked him about two weeks before all of this happened. She asked him, if something ever happened to me, where would you go? And he says, oh, I don't know. I would go to my dad's. Um, so obviously he's like, 
That's a weird-ass question to ask, but... So what are your thoughts on that? I think... We learned later on in the episode that Patrice was talking about divorce. She was not happy in her marriage. I think that Rob maybe caught wind of it. I think she was planning to leave with her son before she divorced Rob because she probably knew that Rob objectified her and she probably knew that Rob didn't like the idea of her hanging out with anybody else, let alone leaving. So I assume that Rob killed her because she was talking about divorce and she had an off feeling which is why she asked Pistol where he would so go. So you think that she she considered the possibility of her husband be, being willing to murder her? I definitely think she did. I mean, we'll talk about it later in the case, but there's definitely some red flags here. There's definitely some things that, like, he talks about when he pulls out her ashes, he's like, oh, she's my teddy bear. That's objectifying language. And yes, I understand that it could be sweet, but it is an objectifying way of speaking about her. And he seemed very comfortable with doing that. So it seems like that's the way he did talk about her when she was alive and when she was with him. In fact, his sister or her sister, her friend, her son all say that he was way too protective. He was super jealous. He didn't like anybody else being around her. She couldn't even hang out with her girlfriends because he felt like that was attention that she should be giving to him, not hanging out with her friends. No, see, I find it kind of odd he'd be willing to do this documentary if he was guilty. But wouldn't that be the best way to go about it? Why would I go on Unsolved Mysteries if I killed my wife? Why would I do that? I mean, sure, I guess, but... I mean, there's a whole bunch of lies. Um, I was watching YouTube just before this, and I was watching a channel called Plunder, which I believe is like a true crime investigation type YouTube deal. Um, and she actually puts a Facebook post up on screen that is put up by supposedly some kind of family member or married into the family member of Rob Endress. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but there's definitely some lies that make him stick out like a red fucking thumb in this episode. Thank you for that, Calypso. <laughs> We're going to have to lock the cats up the next time we record. <laughs> Um, so let's go over the timeline. At 8.50, her first client arrives. Um, hey, it's 8.52 right now. Hey. <laughs> I mean, it is in the evening, and this was in the morning. <laughs> well, you know. Whatever. Just notice that. That's kind of weird. Um, so at 8.50, Pam Shepard, Patrice's first client for the day, arrives, and she says that Patrice is very distracted. She's, which is very odd for Patrice. Normally, Patrice is very focused. She's very, like, on point. She wants to talk. And Patrice is very distracted, which is odd. Um, at 11.05, Pam leaves. So that leads me to believe that they probably talked for quite a while. Besides doing her hair, maybe she had a color done. I'm not sure. She was there for a while. Um, at 11.10, Paul Cantor, who is another client for a haircut, arrives. And he leaves at 11.27, so he wasn't there very long. She gets a phone call at 11.35 that lasts two minutes, and she gets off the phone at 11.37. And the customer that called said Patrice was very short with her, like, you know, snipey, which, again, according to all of these people, is extremely unlike Patrice. She was a very kind-hearted, sweet woman. Why would she be short? I mean, of course, everybody has bad days, but they said they had actually never heard her talk like this. Um, and at 11, between 11.37... At 11.50, there's an unanswered call. 
At 11.50, there's an unanswered call. So there's our 13-minute window that she disappeared in. 11.37 to 11.50. That's 13 minutes. Um, and that's when the police were called. Because um, the customer that had the unanswered call actually called the police or... Somebody showed up for their hair appointment and she wasn't there. Something like that. Somebody called the police because it was just odd. And the police got there and they were able to go through her phone and find out that these 13 minutes appear to be where Patrice went missing. See, this is interesting. I do... I wonder if maybe it wasn't 13 minutes that she went missing on. Because... You said she was very short on the phone. Which suggests to me that she knew... Something was going to happen. Something was happening or was already happening. Right. Uh, What are the chances that she was being held at gunpoint or something and was told to get off the phone? I mean, potentially. Potentially. I think it's more likely that she maybe got into a fight with her husband because that's something that, according to... Pistol happened very often. They would get into fights. Maybe her husband called her on her cell phone, or maybe her husband popped in for a minute and was like, hey, you need to do this when you get home, and she got pissed off. He took off, and she gets on the phone. It could have been anything. Honestly, I think the husband killed her. Except, didn't you say that, uh, didn't they say that the husband was working and they confirmed that. They did. But they said that, said that it was they did, very unlikely. Yeah, they said it was very unlikely, but he could have done there it. There was a possibility And it of, didn't erase of, murder for hire. They said that it the, didn't erase fair. murder for hire. But I, I tell you what, if I'm hiring someone to murder my wife, I'm not calling my wife and getting in a fight with her before she dies. I'm giving you no reason to suspect me. That's fair. So, I mean, like I said, it could have been anything, but... Maybe she got in a fight the night before because it does say that at 8.50 when she had her first client, she was also distracted. They said it was very weird that she was short and distracted, okay? So that means if she's been arguing with her husband as often as everybody seems to say, wouldn't this be something that happened more frequently than just one day? I mean, I guess. Maybe Which that morning. Which leads me to believe something was going on already. Potentially. Something else. Like I said, maybe that's the morning that she mentioned to him that she might have wanted a divorce. And nobody knows really what happened that morning because Pistol wasn't home. He was already at school. You know, she could have, after she dropped Pistol off at school, gone back home and been like, hey, we need to talk before Rob went to work. And if Rob, you know, found out then that his wife was planning to divorce him, and we'll get into a couple of other things later... But he might have just said, you know what, fuck it, I'm not fighting for her attention, I'm just going to kill her. And then I can have her forever after that. They'll find her body, uh, and I can have her forever. That's a quick decision if if he was just told that day about divorce. I mean, I don't know. Could have happened, could have I'm telling you what, based on what we've seen, what happened, this sounds... sounds Imagine if she came to him, though, and said, hey... You and I aren't working out. I don't like the way that you treat me. I'm tired of us fighting, and I don't like the way that you treat my son. I'm leaving you, and I'm going to go back and get with my ex-husband. And that's what I'm going to do, and there's nothing you can do about it. He might have just snapped. 
Because like I said, we'll go into some other things later and okay. we'll find out why it wouldn't be so weird for him to make these decisions. Okay, let me ask you this. Crime of passion is what you're going with? Um, I don't know if I'm going for crime of passion. I'm going for crime of abuser. So like an abuser, if I decided, if I'm in an abusive relationship, like let's say that I'm dating some guy and he's horribly abusive, which isn't the case. My boyfriend is wonderful. But let's say that this happened to me and I decide that I'm going to leave and I threaten to leave. More often than not, when you threaten your abuser with leaving or divorce or I'm going to go somewhere and take the kids and you can't do anything about it, you, most of the time, if that person dies, it was the abuser because the abuser will make a split-second decision because abusers are smart, they're narcissists. A lot of times they have that mental capacity to be like, fuck you, you're not going anywhere. I kind of feel this feels a little too clean to be a sudden decision. I mean, I feel like it's too clean to be an armed robbery. Oh, I don't think it's a normal armed robbery. I don't think that either, but I'm just saying that this was done clean. There was no fighting, no arguing. There was no mess of the, uh, I mean, if there was fighting and arguing, somebody cleaned it up real quick in 13 minutes. Right. I mean, who's to say that he actually cleaned it up in 13 minutes? That's just the time that they look at because I don't think that the police were actually called until I don't remember exactly what time they said, but the police weren't called at 11.50. They concluded that 11.50 was when she went missing because she answered the call at 11.35 and didn't answer the call at 11.50. If she had been there and maybe was in the bathroom, that would be a different story, but they, that's how they concluded that she was she went missing in those 13 minutes. I that doesn't it. mean that I the person that. came in and left... In 13 minutes. It just means that he put her in the car, and if there was a fight, he cleaned it all up. But he probably put her in the car or had her held hostage or something first. I don't believe that it happened in 13 minutes. I believe that at the point that she was at in 13 minutes, she was told she wasn't allowed to answer the phone. It's just very clean. Uh, yeah, which is why I don't think it was some serial killer off the street that just happened to pop in and... Decide that he was going to kill that woman that day. You mean someone who has had practice doing this kind of thing? I guess in my opinion, um, this guy that they're trying to pin this on, his name is... Um, his name is... Gary Hilton, the serial killer that they're trying to pin this on, didn't know Patrice. He'd never even seen her picture before. So... Obviously, like this guy and Gary Hilton as a serial killer was very clean and very um, collected. He would wait for his victims. He would camp out somewhere, wait for his victims, watch them for several days, and then he would attack them. If he's never even seen her picture, I highly doubt that somebody with that kind of serial killer M.O. would just decide to pop in one day and kill this girl. And how do we know for a fact he hasn't seen her picture? I mean, that's the same thing as saying, how do we know for a fact that her and Rob didn't get into a fight the morning before or the night before? We don't know for a I fact. I didn't say they didn't get in a fight. I'm saying that this seems very clean and quick for just recently finding out she wants a divorce. I don't think that Gary Hilton did it. 
I'm not saying Gary Hilton did it. It doesn't fit his MO. I have his MO written down here. He was good at conning people out of money, and they don't have an alibi for him. Oh, and Gary Hilton. Wasn't he the guy that who said that he no. actually did no, 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 go no, no, inside? No, 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 no. That's another guy. Gary Hilton has said that he never met this girl. He's never even seen her before in his life. The only reason that they say he might have done it is because he was good at conning people out of money, and there was money missing from the register, and he was a serial killer, so he had killed before. But his serial killer profile doesn't fit. He camps out, he waits for his victims, he watches them, and then he kills them. And he sometimes will dismember them in a nearby woods. And her remains mm. were found 10 miles from where she was, which is about a 10-minute drive. And if he's not driving, that's a little ways to go to put a body away. He's not driving? Because there was a car found. I mean, he could have been driving, but we don't know that for a fact. The, the car driving fits with um, Jeremy Jones's story. He claims that he went into the store, he talked to Patrice, and he told her he needed to jump. But Jeremy has also recounted his statement. Um, and he said that... Let me see if I can find what I wrote down about him specifically. Actually, I screenshotted it. I didn't write it down. Um, he recounted his statement. He said that he initially lied. Okay. It says... And this is from... Um, Express.com.uk And it says He lied about killing Endress to get better food, extra jail visitation, and more phone privileges. He said that it's worth nothing to have left Patrice's body 70 miles away from where it was found. So he said that he left her body. He said that he left her body at Sweetwater River, but they never found anything, and that's actually a good 65 to 75 miles away from her salon and from where her body was actually found. So he didn't do it. Like, yeah, he had some details, but who's to say that the cops didn't pressure him? Because there's no recordings of the interview. Except and if for there's didn't a- the cops specifically say we, we try to avoid... Saying things that only the investigation knows. That is a load of bullshit. And if you know anything about the West Memphis 3 case, then you know why. Because if they feel like they have a suspect in custody, they will give the suspect, Oh, well, did you maybe do this to her? Is that maybe what happened? Did you maybe do this to make this happen? Like, literally, that's those are things that happen. Like, I literally think that that's what happened... With a woman who murdered her child. They were like, did you maybe... No, Chris Watts. That's what it happened with. The prosecution pushed him. Now, I do know that Chris Watts killed his kids, but they did push him. They were like, oh, well, did Shanann maybe do something that made you feel like you had to kill her? Like, they do push people. They definitely push people, and it's not unknown that they do that. Well, let's let's pretend the police do their job properly. <laughs> let's pretend. Let's pretend. Him knowing exactly how those cars were laid out. Probably was on the news. To two, Probably was on the news. Let's be real. There were police cars everywhere and cameras at her nail salon or at her salon the day that she went missing. Pistol tells us that. Okay. But who's to say that he wasn't watching the news that day? Because at that point he was in jail, I think. 
Except for when the police got there, that second car was gone. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> that second car was gone. That was based on the two eyewitnesses. Yes. Um, Which, if the police are doing their jobs, that's not on the news. Um, but sometimes the police don't do their job. So we're just going to ignore and just flat out say this guy who has quite a bit of detail on the case, but just happened to lie about where he threw the body. Let's let's look at his statement. Um, like again, this is from theexpress.co.uk. Jones ended up taking back his confession later that year, saying to NBC 15 News, there's detectives out there who've worked this case for years and years, and they're so bound and determined to put me in here, put me in there, and question me about this. Okay, let's see the hard evidence, let's see the facts. So, he clearly doesn't, he, that's not something you say if you did it and have already confessed. I think he confessed because sometimes if you confess to certain crimes, you can take time off of your sentence, you can get a lighter deal, you can get moved from maximum security to a minimum security. There's rewards for prisoners if they help incur investigations. Do not get that twisted. There's definitely rewards for prisoners that, you know, cooperate. And that's why he said he lied in the first place. He lied to get better food. He lied to get more phone privileges and more visitation with the people on the outside that he was related to and close to. So those are plenty of incentives if you're in jail to do what to do what he did. Fair, but I don't I think it's unfair to just flat out say he did not do it. I'm not saying he didn't do it. It's completely It's very possible, possible he lied about recanting. I mean, potentially, but I feel like if that's the case, then wouldn't the body be where he said it was? If he's going to confess, he may as well confess to the whole thing. Maybe he just wanted to fuck with the cops. He might have just wanted to fuck with the cops, but he could have also confessed to just fuck with the cops. Now, I don't really have a great explanation to why he would lie about where he put the body. If he's going to confess, he's already incriminating himself. You know, the cops could have said, hey, if you know anything about this case and you tell us, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do this. Which is their job. It's their job to get justice for people. So they could have said, hey, you're having a tough time in here, bud. Do you want some cigarettes? Do you want some of this? Do you want some of that? If you tell us what happened to this girl, we might be okay. able to get you those things. Do we know exactly why the police talked to this guy? Did he come to them saying he had information? Or did the cops come up to him? They don't say in this article, and they don't say in the episode of Unsolved Mysteries either. So I think that matters. It probably does. Unfortunately, like I said, we don't have that information. If the cops came to him, then your argument about the cops pushing him to one way makes more sense. I believe they probably did come to him. I believe they probably did come to the cops, it makes no sense for the cops to try to push him I believe he probably came I believe the cops probably came to him. And the reason I believe the cops probably came to him is because the cops said that they already suspected him because he had he had sexually assaulted hundreds of women and killed some of them. If not all of them. So they probably went to him and was like, hey, you know this girl? 
Is she one of those women that one of those women? Is she one of those women that you sexually assaulted and murdered? Is this possibly something that you did? If you tell us about it, it makes more sense for them to come to him and say, "Hey, you're a suspect in a crime. You have no alibi for this particular day. Here's this woman's picture. Did you know her? Her name is X Y Z." And he could have been like, "Yeah, I know her." Blah blah blah, blah to get whatever he thought he was going to get from it. It, I, it doesn't be a make little sense. bit of both. I mean, it might have been a little bit of both. I mean, maybe he didn't. He knew he planned on recanting the statement, so he lied about where he threw the body. Actually, get those benefits, but also make sure that they can't stick this to him because they don't find the body where he says. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Like I said. I don't know. Um, let's talk about some of the things that we know for facts. Um, Don Black is Pistol's father, and that's where he went to stay. Because Rob's an asshole. He's an asshole. Um, Rob is see. definitely... Don't get me wrong. Just because <laughs> I am arguing the fact that it might not have been him, this guy is a dick. He's an absolute... <laughs> Ooh. He's a terrible okay. stepfather. So, Pistol didn't like Rob. And you actually have a lot of experiences with, you know, good stepfathers, as you're a pretty damn good one yourself, huh? So, you probably know that saying, I didn't see a future in an eight-year-old is probably not what you should say. I think it will. <laughs> I think it will. Um... But Pistol says that he didn't like Rob. His mom married Rob in 1997. I believe it was in May of that year. And after the first year, Rob was super mean to Pistol. And Rob's like, or uh, Pistol's like eight or nine at this time. And let's not forget that Rob is 20 years Patricia. No, he's straight up a douche. He's a douche. He's 20 years Patricia's senior. He's 20 years older than she is. She's 30, he's 50. And... Um, we That's hear, not why he's a douche. She's just a douche. <laughs> well, we do hear that um, Rob was a very jealous man. And Rob would say mean, crude, nasty things to Pistol. His friends would hear it. He would have to explain that to his friends. Um, it says that Patrice did talk about divorce. That's something that Pistol talks about, is that his mother came to him about two weeks before all of this took place and was like, hey... We're about to get the fuck out of Dodge because this Rob guy is not it. I made a mistake. We're about to have to dip. Um, and it looks like from the way that Rob is acting, I could see why she would think that. I mean, Rob also thought that Pistol took all of his attention. He felt like he was competing with an eight-year-old. An eight-year-old. Like, eight-year-olds need a lot of attention. You're 50 figure it out. I don't know. I guess, like, how do you say to somebody, why would you, why are you giving your son so much attention? Like, how do you say that to a woman, a mother? I don't understand. I mean, kind of depends on how you word, or if you're babying him too much, that's also can be considered a negative parenting. So if he wasn't such a douche, (laughs) there is ways where that, conversation might be possible. Right. And logical and 
something that's needed to be said. But Rob did also push a lot of, he projected. He was like, oh, Pistol was so jealous that I was with his mom. No, he wasn't. Oh, no, no, he's a shit. He was an eight-year-old. He's a shit. <laughs> he doesn't even know, like, he doesn't get that. You know, he just wanted his mom. That's it. Um, it says that Rob locked Pistol out the day after his mother went missing. What kind of a fucking douche-ass person of a man Changes a lot. And this is why I think Rob did it. This is one of the main reasons. If he honestly thought that Patrice was just missing and she might come home, why would he change the locks a day later? He already knew she was dead. He already knew because he changed the fucking locks. Okay, fair argument. But I know if I was going to kill my wife, I would definitely not lock out my stepson to... Because that really makes you seem a little guilty, doesn't it? I mean, I don't think he gives a fuck. (laughs) He also lies about having insurance on Patrice. If you watched this episode, he says he doesn't have any insurance on Patrice. But, um, like I said, I went to a YouTube website, or a YouTube website, a YouTube channel by the name of Plunder. Go check her out. She's got a lot of really good true crime videos. Um. But she pops up on the screen, this Facebook post, by somebody with the last name Endress. And she says that it's probably somebody that's either married into the family or a relative of Rob's, right? So let's read this post. Any crime guru mama's on here. Episode 2, 13 minutes, is about my husband's former stepmother's murder. So her husband must have been one of Rob's children. His dad, Rob, is all over the episode. My husband and his dad have not talked since the funeral. His dad is is an ex-special forces, extremely smart and manipulative, a narcissist, and was very possessive of his mom as well, and lied a couple of times on the episode. I would love to discuss theories. Do you remember where Rob says he meets Patrice? Sure. Where? If you remember, tell me where. (laughs) He says he meets her in the hair salon. But this Facebook post says, Rob did not meet Patrice in a hair salon. He was bald. Which we can see in the video. He didn't need to go in there for a haircut. (laughs) Um, He met her at a strip club. Patrice was a stripper. Which makes sense. Because she was a single mom at the time. And unfortunately, strippers make a lot of money, you know? He did have life insurance on Patrice, and none of the family got any of it. Rob kept it all. He's basically a trained liar, which would make sense if he really is ex-Special Forces. He changed the locks the day after she went missing. And Patrice's ex ex Patrice's ex, Chris Pistol's father, got out of prison that year, and they were best friends and talked daily. Rob was a jealous man. And at the end, he says, now I have her, and that's a good thing. Okay. So So, if all of that shit is true, what does that say to you about Rob? But where's the... You you were telling me uh, earlier that I witnessed... Witness uh, reports don't mean shit. Well, witness reports... You are telling me that you're basing your entire theory on a Facebook post that 
Is it verified that this person's related? Are any of those things absolutely true? I haven't because said that they're absolutely true. Um, but if they are true, it gives a lot of insight into the way that things probably They had other people that they interviewed. And if he did not meet her at the hair salon... And mind you, yes, he's bald on the video. Guess what? Number one, bald guys still go get haircuts unless they're completely bald. And two, this was when he was younger. So yes, he might have had hair at the time. I mean, you can look at him in the photos at their wedding and he doesn't have that much hair. Not enough But he hair. has hair on the sides, doesn't he? I don't think that somebody... My dad has hair on the sides my dad and my gets dad's a haircut. bald. My dad never gets a haircut. Okay, my dad, he just said he was special forces or whatever. He was in the military. Ex-special forces, yes. My dad was in the army. My dad is bald. But he still has hair on the sides and he still gets his hair cut quite frequently. He does not let his side hair get far out. So telling me that he doesn't get a haircut, that's bullshit. I don't think he got a haircut. Because he personally. had he had the mushroom, or he had the... The mushroom? He was, he was balding in the wedding photos, but he had hair on the sides, if I'm not mistaken. Very little, but yes. Well, guess what? Guess how you have very little? You get a fucking haircut. <laughs> like I said, I don't know for sure that all of this and is true. I, I don't necessarily like believe that she was a stripper. Her friends... But it would make sense. Her friends didn't mention the stripper thing. Because there, like it doesn't ha- it doesn't hold. All of those people want to say that he was uh, he was the person that had something to do with her disappearance and her death. And actually, all of those people that are so in the would, episode did as well. I know, and I'm saying those people, all they would have had to, if they, if they could have, if they knew that she was a stripper and that they met with stripping, they would call him out on that lie. They don't know that he lied. Do you think that they interview these people right together? I've heard so many people... I know my interviewer if I... Uh. Oh, okay, let me put it to you. Like this. 2020 is... About as well known as Unsolved Mysteries, right? When, like, the 2020 Unsolved Cases or whatever, you know? They do true crime as well. Um, there's a case out there that we're actually thinking about covering. Um, it's called the Alyssa Turney case. And in the Alyssa Turney case, her sister is on a 2020 episode with her father. And Sarah herself has come out and said, I was so pissed off because there's things that they didn't show me. We didn't know certain things until the episode aired. So I couldn't even speak on those things because I didn't know that they had happened. Like... There's a huge thing in that case about how her father picked her up from school early that day. And Sarah said she didn't know that until after the episode aired, and it probably would have affected the way that she felt about certain things. But they don't tell people that. They want to get everybody's individual ideas. So they might not have known that Rob said that he met her at the hair salon. I personally don't really believe the strip club thing because... Pistol didn't mention it. He said she had a passion for doing hair. Is it possible? Yes, she was very pretty. We saw that in the video. But I don't think the strip club thing actually happened. But I do believe but, that but all the other things are true. you want to believe the rest of the stuff. You want to believe the stuff that goes with your narrative is true. 
However, oh, but that part's not true. That questions the entire Facebook. And also, it, did you, is it confirmed that that's even someone or just someone trying to get their 15 minutes of fame? Like I said, if it's true, it explains a lot. And we already know that Rob lied. We already know there's other sources besides just that Facebook post that do confirm that Rob did have life insurance on Patrice. How? They literally go into detail. Like, I don't remember exactly where they were. They were just kind of articles I read in passing when I was researching. But there are articles that confirm that he did have life insurance on her. And in the episode, he says, she's 38. Why would I have life insurance on her? So Unsolved Mysteries didn't check to see if he was telling the truth or lying about that. But the rest of the world has it on the internet. And Unsolved Mysteries didn't bother to see if that was true. I don't think any of this came out until after saying, the episode aired. I don't. Why would Why would anybody? He never said before that he, he didn't have all, life insurance. If the, on when him. they were interviewing him, he said that, that he didn't ha- have life insurance. Now, if I'm an interviewer, I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, "Huh, that's weird." You had you brought that up. I would be checking. But nobody had to make the point until after he lied about it. If you tell Uh if you tell me right now that was live? Was that episode live? No, but nobody would have known that he said it until it got released. Except for the person that interviewed him. Except for the The person that cameras. But nobody online would have known to put the information out there is what I'm trying to get across. They wouldn't have known that they needed to correct this you guy don't because think the information people was have out ways there. to check that. That should be public record. That should be. Something. It's not public record. My grandmother worked for an insurance agency where she put out life insurance claims for years, and that stuff is not public record. So it's not easy to find out. No, it's really not that easy to find out. But all these people on the internet know because probably a family member came out, like maybe Pistol. And was like, hey, he did have life insurance on my mom, but he probably didn't know he needed to make a point. They talked to Pistol. Why wouldn't the interviewer ask Pistol right there? Who's to say that Pistol isn't the first one that they interviewed, and they interviewed Rob later, so they wouldn't have known to fact check with Pistol. I'm making a TV show. I'm getting all my facts straight before I make the show. But this is a reboot. It's not being made by the same. It's not being made by the same people. It's new people. These people. It doesn't matter. All I'm saying is. All I'm saying is that these people. If I'm a credible interviewer, I check these things before we. Okay, but that doesn't mean they're not necessarily credible. This episode, like I said, is a lie. But these people on the internet are credible. I'm not saying they're credible. Stop putting words in my mouth. All I'm saying is, is that. This episode didn't have a lot of evidence. It's all hearsay. So why shouldn't we involve the hearsay from the internet just like they're involving hearsay? Because everything that they put out there is hearsay. There was no evidence, nothing in that fucking hair salon for them to connect anybody to the crime. So everything that they're putting out there is hearsay. I think that it was irresponsible for them to put this case out there anyway because they had no evidence to give. Literally, this whole episode was, I think this, I think that, I remember this, but I remember that. And you they're contradicting the each other. Unsolved Mysteries? They put these cases on, and then they have people call and, check, uh, call and give information to try to solve the mystery. Okay, but okay? all I'm saying is, is that they didn't have any evidence. So... 
Yes, they might be trying to solve this mystery, but you can't come at me and be like, oh, well, if they're credible. Well, they're clearly not credible because they didn't have any evidence for this shit. The only evidence that's out there is Patrice's remains, which prove that she's dead. So, evidence... The crime scene's not evidence. The crime the scene didn't have any evidence. evidence. The crime scene didn't have any evidence. If you remember correctly, they literally uh, said... Missing money from the cash register. Missing money That's from the cash register. evidence. That's one piece of evidence. Her purse was on the counter, so if they were really going to steal her shit, wouldn't they take her purse and any money in her purse, too? Did they say that there was money in that purse? They didn't say that there was anything in that purse, but the purse was left on the counter. If I'm stealing money, I'm just grabbing anything that potentially could have money in it. I'm taking money out of the register, and I'm taking her purse, because who knows? She's a hairdresser, which means she makes tips. She could have hundreds of fucking dollars in that purse. Or you say, hey, give me the money in your purse. I don't think that that's how that happened. If she was kidnapped... If she was kidnapped and taken, which is what we're assuming happened, she didn't leave willingly, as we're all saying. Wouldn't she? But there was no drag marks. I I don't think she left willingly, but she could have very easily been at gunpoint and said, get in the car. Okay. I'm not saying that that didn't happen, but I'm not saying... I also don't think if that happened... Like, if somebody says, get in the car, I'm grabbing my purse. Because my purse probably has my phone in it, and phones have triangulation tracking. If I, if my kidnapper specifically tells me not to grab my purse because it has a phone in it, because but they know phone, that it's got phone, tracking. But her phone wasn't in her purse. They found her phone. Her phone was on the counter with the cash register money. Um, so, like, somebody could have taken that phone out, put it on the counter, also could have taken the money out... I mean, I mean, you're trying to explain to me why some serial killer that admitted to it and then retracted his statement and then gave the police bad information. You're trying to explain to me why he did it in 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 comparison to the husband, but there's no evidence to point in either direction. The husband could have just as easily been like, "Give me the money out of the cash register. We're going to make this look like a robbery." Sure. It's not necessarily, like I said, there's no evidence in this case. This isn't like the Ray Rivera case where we have evidence. His flip-flops were found. His cell phone was found. There was a phone call made to here. This piece of evidence was found. His car was found. This isn't that her case. Her car was found. Her car her, was found, yes. Her purse was found. Yes. This is all evidence. But it's That's not... That's not e- no evidence. This is all evidence. Literally directly out of the fucking special agent's mouth. There was very little evidence in this case. Very little evidence. Very little evidence. So they gave us the evidence. Very little evidence, not enough to make a conclusion. That's why they were pulling it fucking None of these are going to have conclusions. It's unsolved motherfucking mysteries. I'm just saying that that's why they were grasping at straws trying to pin people who have no connection to her on a murder. My, you bring up other things that you found. I get that. I'm just explaining why I don't know if that's true. I mean, here's the thing. Patrice's skull was found. Patrice's remains were found um, 20, 20 months after her disappearance. 600 days exactly. 600 days exactly, yeah. Which is weird. Exactly. <laughs> um, they were found at a church, or um, a couple miles away from a church, and Pistol and Nancy, both of them, think that Rob did it. Rob lies... About plenty of things. And, like, let's not only talk about the fact that 
Rob asked the funeral director to reassemble her. He asked them to reassemble her. He didn't invite her son. Well, he is a dick. Or any of her friends or her father. Why wouldn't, if you're trying to make yourself look as innocent as possible, I don't think this guy thinks he's innocent. He has a degree in criminology. I think that he just thinks he's smart enough to get away with it, quite personally, myself. So far, he's succeeding. Um, but he asked the funeral director to reassemble her, and he walks around with her skull, he says. Which is just weird to me. Very I weird to me. That. I would never... If this is some, if Davy died tomorrow, and he decomposed and his skull was all that was left, I would never be able to hold his skull. I no, would never be able to. This may be that. a little different because it's not a um, spouse. But if my children die, I would probably hold their skulls as close to me as possible. But if that's I'm your child. To. That's your child. If this I is love a someone, here's the thing. I'm going to put it to you like this: a child comes from you, which is why I don't. Necessarily, it's still weird, but people hold dead babies all the time when they have stillborns. That's not weird to me. What's weird to me is that you can look at your ex-wife's bones laid out on a table. It's not his ex-wife. They never She's got dead now, so they I'm going to call her his ex. She so was planning to, so I'm going to call her his very, ex-wife. This very well could be, if he's telling the truth, this could very well be someone who is deeply in love with someone... Who was an asshole? I guess that my thing is is that he really does use a lot of objectifying language. He calls her his teddy bear. Davy doesn't call me his teddy bear. We don't need to talk about what you two call each other. I'm just saying it's very objectifying People language. People have nicknames all the time. It's objectifying How language. How is teddy bear objectifying? My teddy bear. It's, my teddy bear. It's my teddy bear. Which means I'm taking possession of it. I'm being possessive. I'm objectifying this person and saying that they now belong to me. They're my teddy bear. Uh-huh. That's objectifying language. My baby. You're killing me here. You're acting... Okay, you're all for women's rights, right? Yeah, that has so if somebody so so if somebody walked up to a woman when you were standing outside and said you are mine, nobody can ever take oh, no, 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 you no, no, from no, 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 no. That is completely different tone. That is a completely different tone. It's not really if you think about it. It's objectifying language and it's possessive language. And we already know he was jealous and possessive. He was so jealous and possessive that her son getting attention was too much for him. That's a red flag to me. You should never feel like you're competing for somebody's child. You're a stepfather. Did you ever feel like you were competing for attention from your stepson's No, because that's fucking ridiculous. They're this woman's children. I didn't say he wasn't a dick. But it's Does it's more it's, it's more than being a dick. It's thinking he has ownership of this woman. It's not about oh, I'm not a dick, so I don't feel like I, you know, I need to compete with my wife's steps with my wife's son for attention. It shows how possessive he was. And like you the can, other stuff, yes, but Seeing my teddy bear. I mean, I guess I, where you could say that's a nickname. That's a context. That's that's about context. I mean, it could be about context, but he also says at the very end of the episode, "I have her now, and that's a good thing. I will not share her ashes with anybody, especially Pistol. He's being possessive. No, that of her. was a really 
Even after he's died, Shitty. you have to look past it being, oh, he's just a dick. Oh, he's just this. Oh, he's just that. He's being possessive, and she's already dead. And if he really loved her, I'm going to put it to you like this. My mother was not very close with her dad. She loved her dad to death, but she was not very close to him. When my mom's dad died, she had him cremated. He went in an urn right away. If he loved this woman, if he loved Patrice... Why is she still sitting in the plastic piece of shit fucking box that he gave, that he was given her ashes in? That's what they gave it to him. But you can't, you buy an urn. Every person I've ever met that's had somebody die that they love dearly. His teddy bear, right? Even the woman that ate her husband's ashes on My Strange Addiction had an urn for her husband. You have, if this is somebody that you love, you buy them an urn. You don't leave them in a piece of shit plastic box, which is what he had. And he's had these ashes. He even said himself, I've had these ashes for a long time and I'm not going to share them with anybody. That's he's the had first the time ashes he's for. Even opened it, he no, said. that's bullshit. Because that's... he opened it enough to sleep with her plastic, her plastic box. He said that Unless the only. Unless he stuck with the box. He slept with the plastic box because. If he slept with the cardboard box, it would have fallen apart by now. He said he never opened the plastic box. He kept her in the thing that she was already in. But then why didn't he have her put in an urn? I I don't know why people do what they do. It's just extremely weird to me. I've never met somebody that claims that they love somebody so fucking dearly. So much. And they don't even take the time to put them into an urn. You don't even take the effort, the time, the effort, and a little bit of money, because not all urns are expensive. Not all urns are expensive. To put her into something better than a plastic piece of shit box. Maybe he felt like keeping her in her final resting place was the best way to keep her safe. I think that that's bullshit. <laughs> because if that's the case, then why did he ever let them pull her bones up from where they were? That's her final resting place. That's where she was put after she died. That's bullshit. Well, I don't think we really need to go into predictions because <laughs> you you flat out told me who you what you think happened. I mean, I'll be honest. We're probably going to get a lot of shit for this episode because it's literally just been you and I arguing back and forth. Yeah, this hasn't been much comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no evidence. There's no evidence to say that I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong. There's no evidence here. I, know, I didn't say there was. I'm saying that... I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. You play devil's, you play devil's advocate in a way that pisses me off. I'm just pointing out. You're non-yielding. It drives me crazy. (laughs) I just don't want to flat out say that, you know, a Facebook post is the deciding factor. I mean, it's not just about the Facebook post. If I, it's about the fact that if I really had a problem with all those things, why not call the number? I guess my thing is... If I really thought that he was guilty and I had ways to ways to prove it, why didn't this person call the number Because she probably doesn't have any post? proof. If, if what she says is true, she's part of the family. So she has no paper proof that says he had life insurance on her and he kept it all. But it's something with, that would have been known within the family. There's no paper. There's no paper proof that says, well... He did this. He he met her at a strip okay, club. There's no paper proof. evidence. I but I do know that he got he lied about that. So call the 
people say, hey, you may want to investigate this. You have more resources than I do. Maybe investigate this. Maybe this person doesn't want to flood the lines when they know they don't have proof. Maybe they're hoping that somebody else with more proof than them has the same information. There's much worse people that call that have much... That doesn't mean that there's not good people that don't want to flood the lines. But they want to make a Facebook post. I mean, honestly, like... Do you want her killer to be caught or do you just want to... She probably doesn't want to start any shit in the family. She's... If if this Facebook post is real, she's part of this... It could be. I'm not saying it's not. But if this Facebook post is true, then everybody in Rob's family probably knows he did it. But also probably don't want him caught because he's part of their family. And they don't want the shame that comes with having somebody in prison. No, no, no. I don't I don't believe that bullshit at all. Are you they, kidding me? They d- downright bashed him throughout that entire episode. Not his own family. And this is this oh, would his be family. this would be coming from his own family. His last name is Endress. That is Patrice's married name. Her maiden name is I think it's Kramer or Camper. Yeah, she said that her her married um, name is Endress. And this person... One of his kids that never got mentioned on the episode, that she's related to one of his kids. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like I said, I didn't get. I didn't find this information myself. I got it from a, another source. I got it from Plunder on YouTube. And she, she, she could have not fact-checked it, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, if that Facebook post is real, it raises a lot of questions for me. Because it's not unbelievable that he would be ex-special forces and have a degree in criminology. Those two things probably go together. And he does have a degree in criminology, so he probably would know how to get away with it if he did it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying anything else. I'm saying that it looks really fucking fishy. If you just think that your wife's missing, if you just think that she's gone for a couple of days, why would you change the fucking locks? He already knew she was dead. That's the way that I feel. If I decided that I was going to leave the house for like three days, you know, tomorrow and I just forgot to mention it to Davey and I'm going to visit my family in Michigan because somebody's dying and I come back and the locks are changed. Or, or, and I'm not saying this is the case because yes, he is a douchebag, so you could be right. However... Your wife goes missing, and if there's anything he's not saying, maybe he knows that he could be targeted next. I doubt it. I doubt it. Because if he really had concerns, her purse was found. And from what I understand, there wasn't anything missing from her purse. There could have been money missing because they can't prove that the money wasn't there. But I believe they said that her keys were in her purse. I don't believe they mentioned those keys at all. I believe they said that. I think that I heard them. I could be wrong, but I think I heard them say that her purse was intact. Which would mean that everything that's in her purse is there. And if they had the keys to move her car to check it for evidence, which they would have done in a police investigation, then her keys were obviously there. So why did he need to change the locks? Nobody else has their keys. He knew she was dead. That's why he changed the locks. Because he knew that he couldn't let... See, you're just... You're projecting, though. I'm not projecting. You're saying that's why... You're saying 
You want to talk about... Okay, let me let me educate you on the about- definition of projecting. Projecting means that I did something, and I'm now projecting it onto you. I'm not projecting. Okay, maybe I'm using the wrong terminology, <laughs> but you are... You got on me about saying, my teddy bear. That is objectifying language. That's what you just told me. Yes. But now you're saying, he changed the locks because he knew he was dead. You're, you're flat out making a statement... That is it's based just part on, of it's just part of my theory. It's just theory, part. It's just it's just evidence. part of my theory. And if you remember correctly, I made statements similar in our last video. You're just jumping on this because you think I'm wrong, which is fine. I don't know if I think you're wrong. I'm just saying. All that. I'm saying is is that if my significant other went missing and I just thought they were gone for a couple of days, I wouldn't change the locks. That's shady as shit to do. He, Unless you're afraid of something. But he's not afraid of something. How do you know that? Because if the police are right and Rob didn't do it and it was one of these two serial killers, it was an isolated incident. These serial killers have no reason to attack a man. Or it was someone completely different. I doubt that. Nobody would have had the... They they don't... They can't find anybody with a motive besides Rob and these two serial killers to kill her. She didn't have enemies. She didn't have... Any kind of, like, information. This isn't like Ray. This isn't like Ray where Porter, you know, he uncovered information about Porter. This isn't that case. This is a case about a woman who just disappeared. And there's no motive behind it. And there's no evidence to suggest that it didn't happen from someone else. I mean, there's no evidence to suggest it. But I guess my thing is... The evidence I'm talking about is he changed the lock. I'm saying that you're saying that it's absolutely because he knew that she was dead. I'm saying there's another possibility because the the fact that we have she the they would have had they would have had this person this other person would have had to know where she lived, taken her keys, which they didn't do, and break into the house because changing the locks isn't going to do shit. If this person really wants into the house, they're going to get into the house. The fact that we have is that the 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 doors the locks were changed. That is the only thing that's a fact. In our conversation. Yes. I'm not saying that what I'm saying is a fact. I'm saying it's part of my theory. You don't have to jump down my throat because you are jumping down my throat. Because all I'm saying... And I'm giving you another explanation. Okay, but... You're saying that that's the only... No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this is my assumption. I'm not saying it's the only explanation. But my assumption is is that he changed the locks because he knew she was already dead. And I'm giving you another possibility. Let me tell you. If this is really somebody that he should be afraid of, they're not going to let changed locks stop them. Because the only other person that had locks or keys to get into the house is is Pistol. This is about the fear of the man, not about the possibilities that somebody, of the person... So he locks her son out, he changes the locks, the the day after she goes missing... He won't share her ashes. He's possessive over her dead body. Okay. And well, I'm just supposed to believe that he was just so terrified as as this big burly guy who said that he's not scared of anything. He didn't even say he was scared. He said he did it as a precaution, which makes no fucking sense because her keys were there. 
Her keys were there. That's the only reason you would need to take the precaution is if something happened and her purse was gone and they couldn't find her keys. That's you the reason to take the precaution. don't remember if the keys were there or not. I don't recall them saying they found They the said keys. her purse was intact. They also they didn't mention if, Like money. I said, if they had the information, if they had the keys to move the car, they obviously had her keys. And unless her car is still did, sitting in that parking they lot. they say... Oh, like, the police don't have ways to move a car that isn't with keys. I just, look, all I'm saying is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it, I'm gonna Google it, and see if her keys found, keys were found. Okay, just to be clear, we had to take a little pause there because I needed to find some information, but from the grunge.com, or grunge.com, it's not the grunge, it's grunge.com, the purse was discovered and nothing was missing. Not even the cash she had been carrying. So her keys were there. Nothing was missing. They literally say nothing appeared to be missing, not even the cash. So they didn't take the cash. They didn't take the keys. That right there eliminates the possibility that he would have to do this for precaution because they didn't have the keys. Unless he didn't know that. (sighs) It's not (laughs) like the cops literally, okay, Ender's car keys were left behind, and yet it seemed that the car had been moved from its regular parking spot. So they clearly, they would have told him, hey, we have your wife's purse, we have this money, we have her car keys. Those are things that the cops tell you. They say, hey, we're going to take this into evidence. You're not going to get this back right away. Okay, so he's a dick. He's a dick, but he he changed the locks. Like, that to me, like, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you died... And you were living with your your ex-wife, and she changed the locks the day after, even though your keys were where you had left them. That's going to tell me that she killed you. Because clearly why? she already knows that you're dead, so you don't need to have the keys to get in anymore. But why change the locks anyways? Because it just, it stops the, it just, I just think it was a way for him to have control over the situation. And if he really is a narcissist, which I think he is, because if you listen to that man fucking speak... But if he's really a narcissist, he likes having control over the situation. I think he honestly knew that she was dead. If it were me, I wouldn't have changed the locks at the possibility that my wife could come back. That my wife maybe just went somewhere for the day and didn't tell anybody just like family emergency and a family member came to pick her up. Because that shit happens. Like, literally, my grandma has left my car somewhere before but taken me because it was a family emergency. So there's nothing to say that this somebody didn't come pick her up and take her on a family emergency and she's just not answering her cell phone and she just ran out of there without grabbing her purse because it's a serious emergency. Somebody could be dying. But instead of looking at it logically, this guy's like, I'm going to change the locks even though her keys are right here. Just, it, it doesn't sit well with me. That to me means he did it. And I'm not saying there's no other possibility, but to me that's just what that means. Well, I'm just pointing out different things. And that's fair. You have the right to do so. Just making a point. Very well, it very well could have been him. I'm just trying to look at other options. I just, the only reason I don't think that it's other options is because nine times out of ten, people are killed by people that they know. And the people that the police are trying to pin this on did not know her. They, they had no reason to target her. Except Neither for one these, of them literally admitted to meeting her and going to the salon. When he says that 
we met. No, they didn't meet her and go to the salon. He says that he met he her. Met her and at, went to a salon. No, he salon. met her at the salon. Uh-huh. He, he hadn't met her previously. This is all if we believe the same guy that gave the police the wrong location for the body, which I think is bullshit personally. But, like I said, it just it depends on the person. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at all the evidence, quote unquote, evidence that we have. And I'm just like, this doesn't sit right with me. This isn't somebody, this isn't a crime that just happened because somebody happened to walk into the salon. That, that, that doesn't make any sense. If that's the case, why didn't this happen a year ago when she there was There is evil the in this world in many different forms. You can't just say that there's absolutely no way that someone who just came into the salon didn't take her. I mean, the two people they talked to. Maybe it wasn't them, but there's a lot of people in this world that just kidnap, rape, murder, just for the fun of it. Just for funsies. Like I said, I'm not saying there couldn't be any other option. I'm just saying that this is what I think, and I'm entitled to that opinion. I didn't say you weren't. Now, what I will say is that I apologize very much, guys, because this podcast has probably not been very eye-opening. This has just been a lot of arguing. And like the episode was, in my opinion, I don't know if you agree, but the episode was a bunch of, I say this, he says that, she says, I did this, and I say, I didn't do that. It was a very, it was a lot of, he said, she said, hearsay shit. And I feel like that's what this podcast was. (laughs) Well, we're on brand. On brand. (laughs) On brand. Literally, he said, she said. That's what we should have called this podcast. (laughs) Well, I just, I am trying to just look at the evidence, look at the things, look at what's being said, and give other options instead of just flat out saying, well, this is what happened. Well, if if it was that easy, this wouldn't be an unsolved mystery. It'd be a solved one. All I'm saying is I won't be shocked if this case gets reopened or... They do another investigation into the case and they find out that Rob did it because what kind of jackass says that he doesn't know for sure that his wife's dead but is going to change the locks. That's stupid as shit. Unfortunately, the police can't go and arrest someone because he changed the locks. Well, he's he's guilty. He changed those locks. (laughs) Let's go on in. Sprinkle some crack on it. Yeah, he. You can't. That's the problem. No, I'm not saying they should prosecute him yes, on the basis. Yes, he's a dick. I'm yes, not saying he's that done they some sh- shady ass shit. I'm not Unfortunately, saying. Unfortunately, none of it is proof that he did it. Like I said, I'm not saying that they should prosecute him based on this information. I'm just saying I don't trust this motherfucker. Not for a goddamn second. Like I just can't. Like I'm literally listening this is to this your guy. New Carol Baskin. He literally is. <laughs> like, and that's honestly like. The uh, Plunder, the YouTuber that I was watching earlier, said that a lot of people feel like this guy is the new Carol Baskins. Well. Like, we don't, like, Carol Baskins. Here at Unsolved Mysteries, <laughs> we say, fuck Carol Baskin. Fuck Carol Baskin. <laughs> that bitch Carol Baskin. That bitch Carol Baskin. <laughs> I believe she did it. Like, let's just take a, a, a side road here. Do we believe that Carol Baskin's whacked her husband? <laughs> she killed her husband. <laughs> She's crazy. Uh, Look at those eyes. I don't know if I believe that she fed me. him to the tigers as like one whole piece or if I believe that she put him through the meat grinder. I'm not sure which part I believe. 
I don't know. Her, her, her saying, well, if I was going to do that, you would... I would, would cover him in sardine yeah, oil. sardine oil. And... I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like Carol Baskets did that shit, and I feel like Joe Exotic shouldn't be in jail because she did that shit. Joe Exotic's in jail. He didn't even do anything, and Carol Baskins killed her husband and is walking free. Joe and Exotic now, did some things. And now, like, did you hear that? Now Carol Baskins has... Um, control over Joe Exotic's zoo. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that um, Jeff Lowe or whatever the fuck that guy's name was was actually like her first husband, helped her kill her second husband, and then helped her fuck over Joe Exotic, which I would not be shocked to believe because Jeff Lowe was a fucking dickhole. There was a lot of dicks in that show, <laughs> including Joe Exotic. <laughs> but we're not the... Uh... Joe Exotic, po- Tiger King podcast. We are the unsolved comedy. No, I'm just saying. I just thought that that was a fun little side note to take. <laughs> That's right. Fuck Carol Baskin. <laughs> that bitch Carol Baskin. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we are on Gmail at unsolvedcomedies.com. You can hit us up at Dragon Blazers Production Fan Page on Facebook. And if you would like to find me on Twitter, I am. I think I gave you the wrong Twitter name last time. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Zaya Sudo at. Princess underscore Jimmy on Twitter. If you guys need to find me there. And we will see you in the next one. So long, farewell, off Wiedersehen, and goodbye. <laughs>